Hey, all you peasants and nobles out there, it's your noble host Rob with his two noble knights, Sir William. Hey guys. And Sir Kelly. And we're going to be talking about that Game of Thrones episode 4 recap on Real Sharks podcast today. Alright everybody, so first and foremost, Real Sharks, YouTube, always go and visit us there. And make sure you guys like and subscribe to our content. We always enjoy to hear you guys' replies and comments as well. So make sure you guys uh, say something at the bottom. Thanks. All right. So what did you guys... Let's get started here. So that episode, you know, we uh, last episode, we were wrong. We both... We all anticipated it was going to be a uh, a filler type episode. I mean, it was. Well, in some parts. In the beginning, was, yes. yeah. You know, I mean, they are our episodes because it's... Uh, they're trying to wrap it up and everything, but you know, so that's why I was like, half of it was actually a filler, and the rest of it, I guess you could say, was a normal, you know, kind of game changer episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so what did we see? We saw them burying the dead. Saw said goodbye to Jorah. Yep. Yeah, yeah Lady, Lady said goodbye to Lady Mormont. We said goodbye to Ed. Um, Theon. We said goodbye to Theon, which was weird. You know, Sansa crying over him. I mean, I understand they had a relationship, but man, I didn't know it was like that deep. You know what uh, I mean? I think it was because they bonded over Ramsey and stuff like that. Well, them being on the run for so long. Him, uh, yeah, him, you know, giving her away and watching it all. Yeah, (laughs) it's a lot of bonding there. (laughs) She put the uh, Stark pendant on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. He's the Stark hand of the king. (laughs) Um. All right, so you know it was a good episode. We saw the rift between Sansa and Danny, of course, happening. And uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, what, do think, what do you guys think so about that rift? Biggest, isn't that the biggest kind of thing since the seasons began? Just like Sansa's never been about her. You know, she said that she didn't want uh, the North was never gonna, you know, accept the Southern ruler, let alone a Targaryen. So I, I can kind of see that. But do you guys think that she, you know, maybe Sansa's being a little too hard on her? Mm, you know, honestly, no, not no? at all. You don't think no. So? no, really, no, because I mean, like in how they've said before, like, they they don't trust anybody but the Northerners. It's always trusting them because of how many times they've been betrayed. I part of it to me seems like Salt or Sansa doesn't want to see John die again. Basically, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to see him get betrayed. Uh, in a book perspective, I just want to push back on a book perspective, and this is you know. Of course, you know, we're talking about the show, Apples to Oranges. But book perspective, Sansa and John don't really have a relationship. I mean, it's kind of a uh, off-the-cuff, she knows he's a bastard kind of thing. You know, part of the family, not really part of the family. So let's talk about that party, though, that they had. You know, first they named Gangdry, Lord of Stormlands. I called that. I just I knew that was going to happen. Yep. Uh, you know, because he's Robert Baratheon's bastard. So, of course, there was no Lord of the Stormlands. So, you know. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was cool. I liked you guys it. like that? Like, yeah, I, I thought it was good. basically called everybody out and says, who's Lord of the, uh, who's Lord over there? And no one can come up with an answer. And she was kind of. Well, see, the person was dead. I mean, how can you say, oh, yeah, it's this guy? No. Most of these places have no ruling people anymore. No Paramount Lord? Yeah, no Paramount Lord. And see, what's funny, I wouldn't have wrote it like that. I actually am kind of disappointed in the way it happened. Because personally, I wanted it to be more of a sense of like, when he got set off on that boat, he was rolling off into the fog. 
And then I was kind of hoping there would be a scene later on in this season, maybe, where he's rolling back in. His arms are super buff, <laughs> right? And he's just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to take over the Stormlands. <laughs> Shirt off. He's just Shirt off anything. I'm Gangry. Yeah. He's like, screw it. I'm calling myself Gangry Baratheon. I don't care what anyone says. Play by my own rules. <laughs> All right. So we saw that. But now let's get into an interesting uh, subject debate that we want to actually have on the show. Uh, is Danny turning into the Mad King or the Mad Queen. I want to actually ask you guys this. Uh, it was actually brought up by Sir William here. Um, I want to know what you guys think about this. So oh, I'm going to let man. you guys go ahead and uh, duke it out here. So I'm just going to go gloss over this because I don't. Even, we don't need to go too deep into the Mad King. But we know that, just for the people that don't know, the Mad King, was uh, he wasn't really mad to begin with. He was actually kind of nice, kind of like what Danny was. Yeah. Uh, he was for the people. He did a lot of things. Um and he was married to his sister, correct? Yeah, he was married to his sister. His sister wife. And uh, everything was all right. But it's kind of like what happened with Danny where he kind of started fearing things. His best friend, uh, Tywin Lannister, he he kind of sent him away, took took his son from him and made him a king's guard so he wouldn't have yeah. any heirs. Uh, he was mad because Tywin um... – Everybody was rumoring that Tywin actually ran the Seven Kingdoms, not Ares. Uh, not Ares. And yeah, and he didn't like that. That's why Sir Ilan Payne has no tongue, because yeah. Sir Ilan Payne was the one who actually said that. So the Mad King had his tongue t uh, torn out. I just want to kind of continue off with what you were saying. Yeah, he wasn't actually mad at first. The reason he became mad, too, is because of the sense of uh, everybody started paranoid, uh, making him paranoid. And then it was um, House Hollard, actually, of Duskendale. I think it's Duskendale or... I believe I could be wrong from the book right now. I'm sorry if I don't know. They actually kidnapped the king in the lore of Game of Thrones and uh, threw him in a nice, dirty cell with feces all over the walls. And, uh, you know, the Mad King really didn't have like that too much. This is before he was mad. And uh, it was only up to Sir Barristan Selmy to get him out. And Sir Barristan actually bro uh, climbed into the city walls and um, rescued the king by himself. And in utter, uh, utter madness, the king uh, had them burn down the city anyway. And had House Hollard um, erased from memory. And fun note, the reason that name sounds so familiar is because that's who the fool was for Joffrey in season yes. Uh, yes. season two. Yes. That was uh, House Hollard was actually, it's, it's gone. So he was the last remaining son because Sir Barristan Selmy, with his only wish that Ares uh, asked, uh, said he would grant him, he asked for House Hollard not to be uh, erased into the ashes to allow one son to live. Go ahead and continue off. Yeah, but that, just just that. So uh, that's all I wanted to kind of say. So it's sort of she has more in her father in her than she realizes. Yeah. Her whole character was has been since we've seen her rise with the dragons has been. I am not my father. I am a new Targaryen. And her whole thing where Tyrion uh, said, you know, what are you trying to do? Reshape the wheel. And she herself said, I'm trying to break the wheel. But is she enforcing it? I mean, she was. I mean, let's just we could just skip all the way to the end and for her character, she's pissed. She was pissed this whole episode. Might I really. add too, she has not been challenged in the sense of like by someone else that has as much claim as she does yeah. as well. She made that power move. It was uh, always a sense of the Iron Throne was a uh, entitlement for her. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but when she was looking around during that little party scene, I, I couldn't help. Maybe it was just bad audio or maybe it wasn't. I mean, help me out, guys. I don't know if there's any articles on this. Did you guys hear the uh, background scream of Burnham? 
Burn them all. Um, I heard that. I don't I know. Th- if I-, I think that was in the scene. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I it sounded it. like it said like he was telling burn them. Burn them when they were uh, when cheering. Was, and she was looking around. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone was uh, loving on Jon Snow, especially Tormund. Man, that was a uh, Tormund. Yeah, when oh, he was Tormund doing Giants Bay. Man, he's such an awesome character. Yeah. Oh my. Well, he made like so many scenes so awkward. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but let me let, let me just say let me get my point across. Do I think Danny will become this mad queenish type thing, or is she really already that and she's Maybe. personifying it? Maybe she's done as, some really bad things. As the lore has said, um, the gods uh, flip a coin every time a Targaryen is born, and it's either you know they're either genius or they're madness. And we could very well find out. I mean, like you were saying, Ares wasn't mad to begin with. A lot of Targaryens aren't mad to begin with. They all actually all become mad later on. And um, the uh, Targaryen, I forget his name, the Targaryen, the uh, the Wall thing. Oh, Maester Aemon. Yeah, Aemon Targaryen. Yeah. He was, uh, and he's right because uh, she was not looking at Jon Snow as a uh, a kin. She was looking at him like, you know, I, I will burn you type of thing. So, yeah, uh, do you guys think so? Um, uh, I think if her power, it's going to be interesting to see her power, power challenge more and more as we did in that episode. She's yes. getting kind of down to the, her back against the wall here, you know, with Melisande's death mm-hmm. we saw on the show. And uh, before we skip too far ahead, um, then, you know, during the midst of this night of festivities, um, John had a uh, little rap at his chamber door and it happened to be his aunt walking in and basically trying to get some of that... Uh, that yeah, snow, that little, little, uh, snow action, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> playing the snow? Yeah, she yeah. playing the snow. <laughs> uh, um, we're a bad podcast. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but you know, then he basically rejected her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it was interesting because, you know, she confessed her love to him. She did. And I, I know for a lot of people, this is like, oh, man, so sweet. But I just could not get over that. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Damn, he wasn't feeling that. He was raised in the north. It's kind of like, nah. Nah, dude. He said he said in episode two, it's cold down here for a southern girl. What you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> He's totally in a Danny, but it's so weird, man. And you know what's funny is we actually seen Varys bring it up in his little moment of uh, talking about treason almost on who's the better uh, claimant to the throne, you know, John or Danny. Yeah. Yeah, Another interesting He moment. said that's his aunt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as Tyrion said, never stop Targaryen. Exactly. Yes, but true. you know it is. It's it's nice though to see them actually point out the logic in this uh, in their show. And uh, but, Varys was uh, wasn't he also uh, to the Mad King as well? Yeah. Yes. Got yeah. Um, but let's go into a little bit more of the uh, the rest of the episode here. So we saw Rhaegal. Basically, he was uninjured, fly off into the distance to go head for Dragonstone. And then I'm going to get to the point of where I didn't like the episode. And this is where I'm going to be taking kind of a turn against HBO and the whole uh, show is bad writing. I oh, think there was a lot of yes. bad writing this episode. I think uh, so much, especially I'm tired of seeing. Uh, I know I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, this is Game of Thrones, man. This is this is how it is. But they're not exactly following George R. R. Martin's uh, writing anymore. Especially with the whole Arya killing the Night King, which that line in the show, before we get too off topic, drove me crazy when John was like, we would be all corpses marching down on King's Land. And she was like, Arya killed the Night King. And I was like, bullshit. That's a slap in the face, I think. Yeah, that was a huge slap in the face. Um, I'm so tired. I'm going to give two perspectives here. I'm so tired of the show 
being like, oh, this character's fine. See, he's jolly. He's happy. And then five minutes later, they kill him off. That's bad writing. That's bad, bad writing. That's not good writing. (laughs) So we saw Regal, you know, uninjured from the uh, long night, only to die uh, by Euron Greyjoy's um, harpoon. Yes. Which I thought was like, wow, what a waste. I mean, come on, man. I mean, why would you even continue? Why not just have him die during the long night? That would have been so much simpler than to have this whole trying to play on emotions. And I'm not just saying that because, uh, you know, I want it to end good. Of course I do for the show. And, you know, it just kind of angers me. And this kind of brings me to my next part. We've been such victimized by George R. R. Martin's writing for so long with the deaths of some of our beloved favorite characters in Game of Thrones. It's almost like, come on, guys, if you're going to step away from George R. R. Martin, let's step away from George R. R. Martin. Let's make some resolution that we like. You know, let's not just kill everybody off and keep trying to play these death twists because they're not twists they're not even anything they're just changes in direction i mean you're not really focusing on the character you're just killing them off just for the sake of making the audience go oh no yes i totally agree with you i feel like they just did this so they can even the odds and make it a fair fight with cersei which also kind of just goes back to more poor writing with the third episode because you're telling me that the night king and the infinite dead could not take out that another dragon, but some dude in the harpoon who just happened to wait on yeah. that a mountain perfectly shoots the the dragon three times as it takes in down. the chest and the throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just I, it kind of I, I get what they're doing. They want to make them more scary and powerful, like they're you know they're not to mess with in the Golden Company that they're strong. But does it just diminish the fact that they just got rid of a dragon just because of a plot advancement? Just for the sake of like, okay, we're trying to even the odds now. Now we're trying to make it like it's Game of Thrones. Because she could have just easily clobbered Cersei with the dragon. Yeah. Well, you know, after I saw the death of the second dragon, it kind of made it clear to what you actually said from our first episode, or second episode, that they're, they can't have any more dragons. Yeah, all the dragons have the to die. The dragons have to die. To me, this is a step towards possibly seeing Danny turn into the Mad Queen. Because mm-hmm, Danny, yeah, as I now said, Danny lost has to die. another dragon, yeah. one of her children. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I, I was just thinking about them when you guys talking about you know, how she could be the Mad Queen. Like, how you would feel after losing a child. You start going mad, you start going crazy, you, you're in this depression. And, and her best friend, confidant, yeah, Melisande. Yeah, and just either in episode five or in the final episode, I honestly think we'll see Danny go like full on mad crazy. Burn them all. And go, yes, burn them all. That's that's how I, I could see it going in the episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, I know Grey Worm's going to die. Uh, yeah, that kind of see, and that's the thing Give where it now. I hated that yeah, because they were so twined. They were basically the same person. So when she went, it's basically like he doesn't care about whether he lives yep. or dies. So he's he done. wants to avenge um, her death. Yeah. So he's dead. I feel like I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, and that fact that what's the this was this episode is really about Danny and yeah. how she was slowly she burned Jor at the beginning. Uh, she felt real detached from everybody. Uh, they were praising John, which obviously that pissed her off because now she knows the truth. And at the end right. of the episode, she le- loses Melisande. So, and then you see her. Le- she's the last person you see in the episode, looking very like her father. Who is the strongest character in talking about the wrap-up? Uh, that actually, I think, made Bronn an instant 
hateful character. I mean, I, um, I don't know why. What? No, well, I don't know. It was typical Braun, but I don't know. I just, I, I but he played his part yeah. so well because I don't know. I'm, I'm up on the fence on that scene. Is it okay? I'll, I'll say this for you, uh, Billy. Is it cool for they're just letting Braun who didn't Garden. fight? Just take High Garden. First of all, he walked in with a crossbow. No one stopped him. He just goes straight to them. You know, I don't know how he got there. And then yeah, he's like, okay, I'm gonna promise you High Garden. Yeah. What's the stop, Tyrion? He's gonna die. Yeah, just he's killing him die. and be like, I learned from a self sword not to trust anybody. No, but cool. regardless, though, Bronn's gonna die in the war to come. You think so? He's not gonna get High Garden. No. I, I mean, I'd be surprised. Bronn's one of the strongest characters in the show right now. We could say, right? He's yeah, like, he's a good fan fighters. favorite. Yeah. You really think that they're just going to let him sit out? He's going to fight and, you know, probably going to die. But let me ask you guys, though, before we wrap this up, who's the strongest of the characters you think for the Iron Throne? Is it Danny or is it John? I mean, oh. who do you think people relate to more in the book series? I mean, in the book and in the shows. I mean, this is a good, hard question. And uh, I don't mind answering first. I actually think John is more relatable. I, I actually really do agree because he's a guy that comes from absolutely nothing. He comes yes. from less than nothing. He comes as a bastard. Yes. A, no name bastard. You know, the reason they have the name Snow is because they're not good enough for their father's name. So they adopt a name that everyone will recognize so people know that they're at least someone, someone important. Um, but, you know, he comes from a guy that's from nothing. You know, he joins what he thought was a noble, prestigious honor. The Night's Watch turned out to be absolute crap. He rose from obscurity through the ranks of the Night's Watch, became, you know, more than a, uh, a Night's Watch, more than a ranger going undercover with the wildlings. Lord Commander. Learning, you know, loss, learning, yes. you know, sorrow with... Um, uh, Ingrid. With Ingrid, yeah. yeah. With Ingrid, um, sorry. And, you know, with Ingrid and, uh, you know, John's just gone through a lot as a, as a character. And what, what I want to get to before, too, before we wrap it up on this question... Is did anyone else notice how he asked Tormund to take Ghost with beyond them? the wall with him? Yeah, back to and I don't know whether the show again unintentionally did this or meant to do it, but this whole idea and I was like, wow, whether they did that or not was genius. He said that you know you be, you're a real Northman, you belong beyond the wall. That's what Tormund told John, and I was like, John was never more a Stark than when he was north above than when he was north of the wall because everything would depend on the fact that his name was Stark even though he was a bastard mm -hmm. even when um even when Ingrid took him you know, like the whole premise was this is uh you know this is Ned Stark's bastard man's gonna want to talk to him he gained a lot of respect in the north yeah just, in the north or over the wall just because you know but that's what I mean though his name as Stark really played off during that time so he was really the most I guess you could say he was the most Stark he ever was when he was um, beyond the wall. And now that he's he came back, ever since he came back from beyond the wall, he became Lord Commander. He got stabbed, and he realized he was Targaryen, you know, the prince that was promised, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know. I just think John is more of a relatable character, even though Danny has had loss, you know, with uh, Drogo and her child. Um her hardship of traveling the waste. But as I've always said before in our last podcast, she's a character on a constant rise, though, unlike John. I just feel like John gets set back a lot. You know, um, Danny kind of chooses her path. Yeah. John is kind of like thrown into his. Like, you know, with uh, with Drogo, Danny's the one that wanted him, to, the witch, to help him. That was all on Danny. Yeah. Most of the mistakes that happened to Danny are because of Danny's fault, because she is either too trusting 
at, at the, in the beginning, or she's just, you know, a naive girl, like especially when she went to Karth and those guys yeah. stole their dragons. I mean, come on, that was real naive. But I just think that, you know, all her uh, shortcomings are because of Danny herself. Every one of John's shortcomings are because they come to him. Land, you know, land in his lap. Yeah. I just think so. I want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like Danny's moves, the, the two biggest things are Jon Snow uh, did things for duty and honor, obviously. And Danny did things for power. A lot of things of hers was power moves. Ever since uh, the Breaker of Chains, power move, right? Because she went to people on her side. Uh, gaining, uh, this, if anybody remembers her, burning all of the, the cows alive when she did that huge power move, right? Because yes. that was a show of dominance. Uh, everything Jon Snow did was, he didn't, he didn't really want to become Lord Commander. People voted him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? But he gave that post up. Remember when he yeah, was alive? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, he he went, turned down a lot of things. Yeah, he turned down a lot of things, and everyone forced it upon him to to do. Um, and he always did things that he that he just needed to do in the name of honor. And, and rather for Danny, for her being uh, in the name of honor's sake, she did it just because she was like Rob, like you perfectly said. She did everything because it was her birthright. And uh, it, it kind of there's the contrasting styles because they're lovable characters because they came from nothing and they were defiled and they were ridiculed but they rose in different passages yeah. and uh, where Danny is strong willed and so is Jon Snow. Jon Snow is obviously he does a lot of stupid things. He's a naive guy. He's still a kid in some yeah, sense. Yeah. And so is Danny though. I think she is. She doesn't want to listen. Obviously, her advisors are. You know, they're at an odds right now. They might even go at each other because one of them kind of is like, hey, yeah. I'll pull the trigger on her because she's turning into what I don't want to see again. Crazy. I'm all, I've seen it once before and uh, I don't want to see it again. And the other one is kind of like, no, she, oh, she's, she'll, she'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to agree with you guys. Most likable character and just favoritist, it has to be John because, like, how I was saying, he gets thrown in the situations, but he's able to survive and rise up and being able to figure things out, being able to gain trust and being able to be such a likable person to be able to do this. I mean, and, and a part of it, I mean, how he gets pushed into these things is because his characters believe in him, even when he doesn't believe in himself. It makes me think of back to last season, how he didn't even want to be Lord of Winterfell or, or even King of the North, they get forced that upon him, and he just went with it because, again, he didn't have faith in himself. With Danny, he's made all these decisions, and it's kind of led her to the being, yeah, I want her to be the one on the throne, but nah. In a sense, they both fight for life. You know, she they fought do. for slavery, and he fought for the living. So they both, in a sense, fight for the living. The man of the people, too. They love him. You know, at first, if you really think about his story, he is just the bastard. At first, he was just the bastard of a lord. He's a classic hero. You know, everything, nothing really good happens. I mean, he lost the Battle of the Bastards. He lost his uh, his beloved. You know, every like he can't really see Danny right now. He is a true definition of a hero, a hero that has to suffer in the old sense. So I mean, I, I, spot on. Spot on. Yeah, yeah. I would say I, t- I totally agree because I feel like uh, one of the main things that happened for the quotes of this this past episode was uh, Varys telling Tyrion like he'd make 
the best king because he doesn't want to be because he doesn't want to be king. Exactly. Always wanted to be, always, wanted. always wanted to be queen. That's all. That's why. That's why she came to Westeros. This is what drives her. She even told uh, Jon Snow, right? She was just like, "Why do you think that I'm, I'm here? You know, why do I bring the Dothraki? It's because they have faith. They have faith in her being a queen." And she separates herself. Like right now, when she, uh, uh, she made Jin, uh, Gendry uh lord right that was a power move to yeah kind of like subject her like okay i so the stormlands will back her yeah and it was kind of like a power move it wasn't like hey good job i did this as a friend. yeah she kind of just did this like i'm just giving it to you now you kind of owe me rather than yeah, john exactly saying, like, hey we all won let's drink together she didn't drink she didn't and then we had Arya make that know? stupid decision for not being a lady i don't understand why you can't be Lady of Storm's End and still be a you know an assassin and a fighter. Says, I think Arya's is dumb anyway. Do you like how uh, they you know Jon Snow told him the secret and she's like, oh, oh god, that's such stars. terrible we writing. To together, such terrible writing. The next scene, he's like, please, just don't say anything. You know when you hear that, the character's gonna say something. Come right, on now. especially when Sansa's like, yeah, well, I you won't tell anything. the soul. Right. I just love how like Arya's like, okay, we need to stick together, and then she just leaves with the hand. I'm like, Arya's never been a lady. She's never wanted that kind of power. She's, I just said, like I said, though, yeah. you could be a lady and still like be a but, fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can still be a ruler. But that's not in there. there. But no, but I, I think I that's poor of, writing again. Yeah, I, I poor agree. writing. I think it is. I, they're trying to go back and do references to how she's like. Yeah. The first season, I'm not a lady. Yeah. But the whole thing that she left the faceless men was because she was a exactly. Stark. She said, "I was Lady Stark of Winterfell. I'm going home." That's a legit quote. She uh, kept Needle because that she was a Stark. So her saying that she's not a I not a lady or not wanting that. to do anything on behalf of her family doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. All right, everybody, this has been Shots, 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 Shots.